Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 18 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick, and hopefully everyone out there still kind of riding the high of what was a thrilling victory against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Garden on Tuesday night. The Rangers, of course, taking a 3-2 overtime win against the Penguins. Two goals by Capo Caco, including the overtime game winner. Just a ton of fun there. One of the best wins of the season. And now we move forward. It is Thursday. We got another tough test tonight in Tampa Bay against the Lightning. It is part of a brief two-game road trip here. The Rangers will also visit the Florida Panthers on Saturday. And as for Mika Zibanejad, he does not make this trip with the blue shirts. He is He's skating on his own right now. He's still considered day-to-day, although we pretty much know for a fact that he's not going to play in either one of these two games, considering that he did not make the trip with the team. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but the Rangers always kind of a little bit vague with, with these injury reports. It's it's an upper body injury, and, you know, we know where he suffered it. It was a big hit from uh, Patrice Bergeron against the Boston Bruins on October 27th. But he's got some time. Obviously, he's not going to play in either of these next two road games. The Rangers, after that, after this brief road trip, they will be back home in the Garden on Wednesday against the Capitals. That's six days from now. Maybe that's the target date. Maybe that's the night that we see Zibanejad uh, back on the ice. We'll keep our fingers crossed there. The good news is, obviously, the Rangers have been winning without him. They are 5-1-1. One, and one. But yeah, anytime you have a chance to put you know one of your best one or two players back on the ice, you'll take that. You'll look forward to that. And we hope Mika Zibanejad is feeling better and ready to rock when the Rangers come home to play the Capitals. And as we said, the Rangers clash with the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit, give you guys a preview of that game. But first, one of the things I wanted to do is weigh in on the Leas Anderson situation. You know, a lot of people have weighed in on it, and everybody seems to have a different solution. So I figured I might as well get in on the fun as well. My general feeling here is that I really fail to see the point of running Leas Anderson out there on the fourth line every night just to post a lousy nine minutes and 46 seconds of ice time, which is what he's been averaging so far this season. If you're going to have him on the Rangers and you want him at the NHL level, then I don't think you put him out there on the fourth line because you're not really setting it, setting him up for success. You know, on any given night, he's sharing the ice with either, you know, some combination of Brendan Smith, Michael Haley, and Greg McKegg. And I, I like all three of these players. I think they're good depth pieces. And Brennan Smith obviously gives you some versatility. He's been playing the wing this year. He can move back to defense in a pinch. But Brennan Smith, I mean, this guy, you know, he, he's not going to do a whole lot offensively. You know, he's out there. He's out there to be a physical player, you know, throw his weight around a little bit. And it's really the same thing with Michael Haley. I mean, Michael Haley, Michael Haley is out there to be an enforcer and a guy who's going to watch out for his teammates and, you know, to fight when the situation calls for it. And that's fine. I got nothing against Michael Haley. He, I think he knows exactly who he is as a hockey player. And then you've also got Greg McKaig. And Greg McKaig, again, he's just a prototypical fourth-line player. You know, he's not going to give you any kind of offensive fireworks. He's a journeyman. He's kind of bounced around this league a little bit. And this is who Leas Anderson has to work with on any given night. These guys are not, you know, goal scorers. They're not going to produce a ton of points. Anytime they score, it's a little bit of a fluke. So it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg situation with Leas Anderson here because, you know, is he not producing because he's on the fourth line or is he on the fourth line because he's not producing? Is it a situation where Coach Quinn wants to see Anderson kind of earn his keep at the NHL level and earn his way up to the third line, maybe even the second line? Or is it that there's just no confidence in this guy and they don't think he can, he can you know, contribute right now at the NHL level and they just throw him out there on the fourth line because there's nowhere else to put him? Really, I think... Doing anything but what they're doing right now with Anderson is probably for the better. And 
at some point, I think, you know, this is his third year in the league. He is still just 21 years old. We got to keep that in mind. But this guy was the seventh overall pick of the 2017 NHL draft. So at some point, I think you just got to, you know, throw him in the throw him into the deep end and say sink or swim. At least move him up to the third line. Let him center a line with Capo Caco and Brendan Lemieux and see if that can get him rolling a little bit and take Brett Howden and move him down to the fourth line. And I know Brett Howden's young too, and he's another one of their prospects and everything, but he hasn't really set the world on fire. I mean, he's been okay this year. You know, I, I got nothing against Brett Howden either. But at some point, Leah Sanderson, this this is your guy, man. You, you took this guy seventh overall in the draft, and if you put him with Caco, obviously those two are young, talented players. You get them out there together, see if they can make some magic, and you've got Brendan Lemieux out there who, who's willing to scrap and, you know, pro- probably, you know, watch out for both of those guys. So, yeah, if Anderson is going to stay on the Rangers and not go down to the minors, then give him a chance. Move him up to the third line. Put him around some guys who can score some goals and make some things happen. And Kako is really starting to heat up. He's really starting to find his game at the NHL level. And you look at Brennan Lemieux, and he's got four points in his last five games. So he's starting to get it rolling a little bit as well. And Lemieux obviously brings a lot of grit, a lot of, uh, a lot of energy to the lineup. Put Anderson between these two guys and see if that can get him going a little bit. Maybe Kako can kind of, you know, force Anderson to kind of elevate his game a little bit, kind of just pull him up a little bit. Because Leas Anderson is not going to take off, you know, playing on, on the fourth line and playing for less than 10 minutes a night alongside a fighter and a converted defenseman and a career journeyman. It's just not going to happen. So if you decide that, no, we don't want to put Anderson on the third line, we, we like what we're seeing out of Brett Howden, we're going to leave him there. You could make that argument as well. You know, that, that line's, like we said, Kako's heating up. Brandon Lemieux's starting to get it going. And the Rangers have big plans for Howden as well. So if you decide that there's no room for Leas Anderson on that third line, then send him down to the minors. Send him down to the Hartford Wolfpack. Look, he's only 21 years old. You don't have to bring, not every single one of your prospects has to play on the Rangers right now. You know, it's okay. You, he can he can spend the entire season there for all we care. He's 21 years old. He'll be 22 next season. And then maybe at that point, you bring him back up to the Rangers and you say, hey, look, look, you know, fresh start. Let's go get it. And don't tell me that, you know, he can't benefit. Anderson can't benefit from going to the minors and continuing to kind of just build his confidence and get loose. I mean, it's minor league hockey, but it's still professional hockey. Kind of just get things rolling down there. Let him go down there and let him center the first or the second line and just let him build confidence and become a better player. And next year, hey, he's 22 years old. There's still plenty of time for this guy to develop as a, as a hockey player. And the, next year, when that when next year rolls around, you can look at the possibility of calling him back up to the Rangers. And maybe at that point, you know, there's a spot open for him on the third line. Or maybe, you know, the, the Rangers have a little bit more depth at fourth line and, and they can put him out there with some guys who at least have a chance to score. And I'm not going to say that, like, Brennan Smith and Michael Haley and, and Greg McCaig have no chance to score, but they're not goal scorers, you know? It's, if you have Leas Anderson up there, you want him to be surrounded by guys who can kind of help him elevate his game a little bit. And another option that's been kicked around for Leas Anderson is trade him. And I don't like this at all because if, if you're going to put Leas Anderson out there on the trade block right now, you might as well just hang a sign over his head that says, buy low, because everybody knows, you know, th- this guy, talented player, you know, he went number seven overall in the draft for a reason. The Rangers saw something special in him. He's really contributed nothing at the NHL level so far. And just to give you his career numbers right here, give you a little bit of context. I mean, we all know, you know, he hasn't done much, but I mean, listen to this. He's now played in his NHL career. Three seasons with the Rangers. In 27-18, it was only seven games. Last year, 42 games, and this year, 15 games. But that's 64 career games. He has three goals, six assists. That's it. And if I'm a rival GM and I'm a guy who 
and I'm a GM who's who's kind of looking to you know rebuild my team a little bit and and looking for a buy low opportunity because that's what these guys do, right? You know they they want to they want to make deals that can improve their team and they want to have to not you know sell the farm to do it. And I see if I'm a rival GM, I see Leah Anderson as a prime buy low candidate. So the Rangers. There's no sense in trading him right now because what can you really realistically expect to get for him? I mean, a late round draft pick or, you know, just some kind of career journeyman? I, I don't, I'm not interested in that because you should be able to get more for Leah Sanderson. You took him seventh overall in the draft pick. Right now, you're in no position to ask for more. And any GM from another team is going to come to the Rangers and ask to trade for Leah Sanderson. And they know full well that. You know what? The Rangers are in no position to ask for a whole lot here. I can get this guy for dimes on the dollar, and that's what GMs are going to be looking to do, and I'm just not going to bite on that if I'm the Rangers. you got to show some confidence in a guy that you took number seven overall, and you got to have some conviction to keep him around and just trust trust that he's eventually going to become a decent player to a good player, if not a spectacular player. You know, you take somebody in the top... 10 picks in the NHL draft, you want them to, to blossom into like, you know, one of your top guys on the team. And that might not happen with Leah Sanderson, or maybe it will. We don't know yet. You know, again, it's still a small sample slice. It's just 64 games. And he has shown some promise in the AHL. In the previous two seasons, Leah Anderson has played 61 games with the Hartford Wolfpack in the AHL. And in that time, 11 goals and 23 assists. So yeah, 11 goals, 23 assists in 61 games. It doesn't jump off the page at you. They're not Hall of Fame numbers, but they're respectable, right? They're not completely anemic like his numbers, you know, with the Rangers. So, hey, let him go back down to the minors. Let him continue to get better. Again, you don't have to have every single one of your prospects on the Rangers right this second, you know, and, and some of the ones that are that are on the Rangers are playing very well right now. You know, you look at Filipito. He's been great. You look at Capo Caco. Caco obviously never went to the minors, but he's obviously a huge prospect coming into this season, so he's doing great. Adam Fox is delivering. Tony D'Angelo, again, he came over via a trade with the Coyotes a couple seasons ago, but a lot of these young guys and people that the Rangers want to build around and they have high hopes for are on the Rangers right now. They are firing on all cylinders. They're contributing to you know a really hot streak for the Rangers right now you don't need every single one of them on the Rangers it's okay just send him back to the minors and let him do his thing down there let him build his confidence for another season let him hopefully put up career highs across the board he probably will if, if you just put send him to the minors right now and you know what try again next season it's okay it's okay he can he can come back when he's 22 years old he doesn't need to be a phenom when he's 21 years old and he certainly does not need to be banished to the fourth line and getting less than 10 minutes of ice time when he's 21 years old but i am not i am not giving this guy away to some other team for for next to nothing i i don't see what the point of that would be and something that i've been wanting to get to and talk about ever since really i started this podcast and even before i started this podcast i would have just talked about this to anyone that would listen it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the Leas Anderson situation, and it involves a player that used to be on the Rangers who I really thought the Rangers could have and even should have brought back this offseason. They could have had him on the cheap, and that is Derek Broussard. Broussard, obviously a crowd favorite when he was here, a big-time playoff performer, a guy who you know was, was generally centering the top line and, and generally playing some really great hockey for the Blue Shirts, really the best hockey of his career. And I just want to know, now, first of all, I should preface this whole thing by saying that I truly do appreciate what the Rangers front office has done. You know, they they 
really showed some guts, and they blew the whole thing up, and they went into a full-fledged rebuild. They didn't do it halfway. It takes guts to do that, to kind of just, you know, break up a team that's had some success and been in the playoffs, but it's something that they felt they had to do if they want to get back to being, you know, a Stanley Cup contender. And Jeff Gorton and his guys have done a great job making that happen, getting this team younger, and putting some some big-time exciting prospects and and reaching out and signing Artemi Panarin in free agency and bringing Jacob Truba over in a trade. Truba's slumped a little bit lately, but I, I still think that'll work out. But having said all that, there was a move that was just staring them in the face the entire offseason, and that was re-signing Derek Broussard. Broussard sat on free agency for seven weeks, and nobody signed him, and he ends up taking a $2.1 million deal with the freaking Islanders of all teams. And I know what you're saying, you know, hey, you know, this this is a young team. If we bring Broussard back, you know, he's just kind of a retread and blah, blah, blah. And I get that. I, I understand. But I think it's okay. Broussard's 32 years old. I think it's okay to have one forward on your entire team over the age of 30. Would that be all right? It's just one guy. And I know you know, Mike, Michael Haley, you know, he's 33 years old, but he's not even in the lineup most nights. And Derek Broussard could come back, be a guy who's played in New York on the big stage, be a leader and just be a valuable veteran presence in the locker room. And think back to the start of the season. What did we all think would be a weakness for the Rangers? What was the one spot where there were clearly question marks and clearly a lack of depth? Center. Mika Zibanejad's great. We all know that. Ryan Strom has been great as well, but we didn't see this one coming. I don't think anybody really thought Ryan Strom would be as good as he's been so far. Brett Howden, eh, you know, he's okay, but, you know, hasn't really, you know, taken off the way the Rangers, I'm sure, would hope him hope that he would. And Leah Sanderson, we just got done talking about all that. And really, I, I think the best solution is just send him to the minors for some more seasoning at this time. So what was it that was preventing the Rangers from bringing Broussard back? Certainly wasn't his price tag. Like we said, he, he only signed for, for $2.1 million with the Islanders. And I think the Rangers probably could have, you know, given him that contract. Is it even possible? Now, I, I don't know this for sure. This is just pure speculation. Is it possible that Derek Broussard, one of the reasons that he was a free agent for so long, and I mean the primary reason was he admittedly did not have a great season last year. We'll, we'll break that down in just a second. But is it possible that one of the reasons he held out from signing with a team is that he was maybe hoping that the Rangers would come calling? It's possible, right? Maybe they did come calling. Maybe the Rangers and, and Broussard couldn't agree on a price tag, and he ended up not signing. I mean, I don't know. You, you never know what goes on behind the scenes here, and he ends up going to the Islanders. And like we just said, Broussard had a down season last year. He only scored 14 goals and 9 assists in 70 games. Those were pretty much career lows across the board, you know, at least in seasons where, you know, he, he played the full season. But those poor numbers really just gave the Rangers, and any team really, an opportunity to sign this guy on the cheap. He's shown that he's a good NHL player. And just the season before last season, Broussard had 21 goals and 25 assists. Those are not Hall of Fame numbers, but they are certainly third-line worthy numbers, are they not? And another thing that may have contributed to Broussard's down season last year is he had to split the entire campaign between three teams. He went from the Penguins to the Panthers to the Avalanche, and it's probably hard to really kind of take off and really, you know, have a big-time season when you're on a new team seemingly every month. You know, it's, it's hard to kind of get used to your surroundings and get used to your new teammates and really get it rolling, and that may have played a part in Broussard's down season last year. And to me, all these factors, everything I just mentioned, it all adds up to what was a big-time opportunity for the Rangers to bring back a crowd favorite and bring back a guy who has contributed and bring back a valuable veteran presence in Derek Broussard to a position of need 
and for whatever reason, they just passed on it. Like I said, it, it, Broussard was out there forever. He sat as an unsigned free agent seven weeks into free agency, and, you know, this solution to a lack of depth at center, it was staring the Rangers right in the face, and, and for whatever reason, they just did not pounce on it. And I don't want to kill the Rangers for this. I mean, like I said, signing Derek Broussard or not signing Derek Broussard, probably not going to make or break your franchise. I admit that. And it is possible that I'm just being too nostalgic for a guy who is one of my all-time favorite Rangers. But I don't know. I just, it, to me, it was a fit that just made sense. And, and it didn't happen. It would have been great to see him come back to the Rangers. And now, unfortunately, he's on the Islanders and he's having himself quite a season. He got off to a, a slow start with the Islanders, but he's heating up lately and he actually just last night against the Maple Leafs, one goal and two assists in that game. And I swear I had planned to talk about this today, even before that game happened. I, I was kind of taking notes yesterday and just kind of talking about, just kind of making a list of all the things that I wanted to discuss on today's show. And I saw that Broussard had been, you know, quietly kind of heating up a little bit over there. And then last night he just explodes for three points. And yeah, Broussard in his last nine games with the Islanders has six goals and four assists. So he has really taken off for them and, I'm really not looking forward to seeing him play against the Rangers this year because you know he's going to score. I, I just <laughs> I just get that feeling that, you know, he's kind of going to, you know, make the Rangers pay for it. I don't think there's any animosity there, but I'm sure he's going to want to do well against his old team. And obviously it's a rivalry game, and the Islanders took a chance on him this year that the Rangers were not willing to take, and he might be looking to make the Rangers pay for that. And if the Rangers had signed Derek Broussard, you know, it kind of it's kind of two birds with one stone because it takes care of, you know, the Leas Anderson situation. You can put Anderson into the minors and have no qualms about doing that because you have a center in Derek Broussard who has a ton of experience at the big league level. He's got experience playing in New York. He gives you a valuable veteran presence. For me, I don't know. It's just a move that made too much sense not to do. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's Locked On podcast is sponsored by DoorDash. Long day at work. Tough day at school, still stuck at the office? Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city and ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite too. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code LOCKEDON. It's a tremendous service. Take advantage of it. Don't worry about cooking. Sit down and watch some New York Ranger hockey with DoorDash. All right, so as promised, we're going to go ahead and we're going to break down this matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning for tonight. The Rangers, of course, 5-1-1 one, one in their last seven games, and it all started with a big 4-1 win against the Tampa Bay Lightning on October 29th. That was the first game that Philip Heedle and Ryan Lindgren skated in for the Rangers. It was the day after they were called up, and the Rangers have been rolling ever since then. It's not just because of those two players, obviously, but Philip Heedle, Ryan Lindgren continue to be big-time contributors for the Rangers, and they got off to a good start in this one as well. Uh, Philip Hedl scored his first goal in his first game. Ryan Lindgren picked up an assist, and goals were scored by... So the Rangers fell behind 1-0 in this one in the first period, and goals then were scored by Capo Caco in the second period, and then the Rangers dominate late in the third period. They get goals from Philip Hedl, Adam Fox, and Ryan Strom, and they take a 4-1 win against, obviously, a very, very talented hockey team. The Lightning are not dominating this year as they did last year, to say the very least. They come in at 8 5-2, and two, although they have won their last two games. 
The Lightning actually have not played since last Saturday. They took part in the NHL's 2019 NHL Global Series. They were over in Sweden, and they actually picked up a pair of wins there against the Sabres, took both of those games. They beat them 3-2 on Friday, and then... 5-3 to three on Saturday, and now they return home. So the Rangers obviously going to be going up against a well-rested team here and a team that looked to be finding its footing a little bit as they took on the Sabres overseas. And when you think Tampa Bay Lightning, you think goals, right? And you think offensive fireworks, but so far this season, haven't quite found it. They are they have scored just 52 goals in their first 15 games. It's not terrible, but it's gotten to the point where we just expect more out of them to the point that, you know, about three and a half goals per game just just feels kind of underwhelming. But it's basically all the usual suspects for Tampa Bay as far as, you know, goals and points are concerned. I mean, Steven Stamkos, you know, doing what he does, a point per game, five goals and 10 assists in the first 15 games. Nikita Kucherov right behind him with five goals and eight assists. And then you've got Kevin Shattenkirk, who apparently... Uh, remembered how to play hockey again. He has four goals and nine assists. Braden Point, four goals, seven assists. Victor Hedman, three goals, eight assists. And Andrej Palat with five goals and four assists. And Tyler Johnson with four goals and five assists. So, yeah, I mean, we all know this team is capable of scoring goals, and I can't imagine a scenario where Tampa Bay does not play Andre Vasilevsky. As we said, you know, they've, they've had quite some time off here. They last played on Saturday, so I'm sure he'll be you know, between the pipes, in the crease for Tampa Bay. And anytime you go up against a goalie, the caliber of Andre Vasilevsky, you've got your work cut out for you. But, you know, the Rangers, they did all right against him last time. You know, they, they kind of broke the game open there in the third period, and they'll look for more of the same tonight. It's going to be a great test, but hey, like we like we've been saying on this podcast, if you want to be a good team on this team, if you want to be a good team in this league, then you have to beat some good teams. And the Rangers have been doing that. They started this nice little this nice little five one and one streak by beating Tampa Bay, and hopefully they can just continue it tonight. Going to be a tough test, but we'll see how it goes. But as good as Vasilevsky has been over the years, he's yet to really find the magic this year. He's six and four, but he's got a goals against average of three point zero one and a save percentage of just nine oh five. So maybe the Rangers, you know, can take advantage of kind of playing a goalie at the right time because you know eventually Vasilevsky's going to figure it out. He's going to be one of the better goalies in the league. But they're playing him at a good time here, where you know maybe the Rangers have a chance to jump on him while he's not quite at the top of his game. And the Rangers have announced that it will indeed be Alex Georgiev in the crease tonight. Once again, the Rangers kind of rolling with the hot hand approach here. Georgiev was very good in a win against the Penguins. And it's almost like the way they're doing it right now, you get to keep, you know, with with Georgiev and Lundqvist, you get to keep starting games until you have a not-so-great game and then the other guy goes in. You know, again, I I am all for this this fluid goaltender situation. We've talked about it enough on here. Lundqvist is still the man until somebody proves that they are clearly better than him and clearly give the Rangers a better chance to win than he does. But you still have to mix Georgiev in there and see what you've got with him because he could be the goaltender of the future. We have to find that out. And, you know, he gets another good test here against a Tampa Bay team that can really score some goals. Tampa Bay averaging 3.4 goals per game. The Rangers at 3.38. And again, when you go up against a team like Tampa Bay and you look at the stats, there are certain things that just do not surprise you at all, and this is one of them. Tampa Bay this year, fourth on the power play. They have converted 26.2% of their man advantages, and we've talked about the Rangers' penalties and all that, and just going to be even more important than usual to not take foolish penalties, not take undisciplined penalties, and stay out of the penalty box as much as possible tonight, because if you take penalties against this team, there's a very good chance they're going to make you pay for it. 
On the flip side, Tampa Bay has not really been all that great on the penalty kill this season. They've killed off just 75% of the their opponent's man advantages. That is 25th in the league out of 31 teams. So if the Rangers, you know, the Rangers, they've been rolling on the power play lately. They've been scoring a lot of goals on the man advantages. And even when they don't score, they just look dangerous out there. So if they can draw a few penalties tonight, it really bodes well for their chances to win this game. All right, guys, we are just about out of time here, so that's going to do it for Episode 18 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. But once again, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll come back here tomorrow with a brand-new episode. But let's get another two points tonight, and we'll get to talk about it on Friday's show. Until then, have yourselves a good night, and I'll see you next time.